solo Tevez, Tevez da solo, Tevez, Tevez, Tevez all'interno dell'anima, fuori tutti Tevez! Welcome to More Than A Game, a podcast dedicated to the Premier League, the A-League and more. Today on the show, the Premier League is back, kind of. We'll fill you in on what you've missed in this mini off-season and what to look forward to when the matches restart next week. In Australia, the only thing more damaging to football than coronavirus is Fox Sports. And we check in on what else has been going on in this football vacuum. I'm Colby. Uh, I'm joined in person, just a mere 1.5 metres away today by Tommy and Jesse. Lads, how are you this Saturday night? I mean, I am just happy to be here. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's weird. It's like I, I feel like I haven't seen either of you for months just about, which is uh, yeah, pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's been too long other than our little jaunt to the, the pub in a socially isolated way last week, which was which was its own kind of weird. Um, Incredibly it's, it's wholesome. Too long. Incredibly wholesome giving back to the community. I mean, that's the least we could do. Uh, it's the least we could do. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, other than our uh, ISO pod check-in, it's been a while since we've done a pod as well, boys. Um, you know, so so bear with us, listeners. We're, we're pretty rusty. Hopefully we're not as rusty as um, Richmond and Collingwood were in the, the AFL this week. Oof. Uh, and also, if you are listening, uh, thanks. Um, really appreciate you sticking with us when you have literally 5,000 other football podcasts you could be listening to. Uh, lots of listener questions in this ep two, boys. Uh, lots of good discussion on our Twitter and Facebook before the pod. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you go over to More Than A Game Podcast on Facebook or at MTAG Podcast on Twitter and get around us. Send in your questions and hot takes on football um, uh, whenever you want and whatever you want. Uh, lots to get through today um, as we're going to preview the Premier League restart as well as an update on the return of the A-League. But first, boys, uh, what's stood out to you since football has been coming back in this break? Well, I guess in the the absence of the Premier League and the A League, it's really been an opportunity for us to to step outside of our comfort zone and and explore some of the the, the football leagues all around the world. So, dipped our toe a little bit in uh, in the Belarusian league, um, watched a couple of those, and to be honest, after the second week, I was like, I'm not sure if I can do this. You won't be Belarusian back, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Uh, um, my toe a little bit in the K League as well, which I've actually been really enjoying. That, that's been good. There's a couple of Aussies over there, and um, not sure if everyone remembers though the the first uh, first televised game, which had um, Taggart and Antonis in it, and everyone I was sort of thinking, oh yeah, like geez, Taggart like XR Golden Boot from last year, surely this this could blow up. Uh, he was he was pretty average, and Antonis ended up getting sent off as well. So yeah, <laughs> Taggart got carded that game too, didn't he? Yeah, he I got hooked at like sixty minutes as well. I think you're being modest saying that you dip your toe in it, though, because I mean, I'd say you dip both both feet in. Um, I mean, you, you really waded just, into it, Tommy. Just <laughs> pin dropped into it. <laughs> you you were really deep in Kaelic for a while there, and um, I mean, you know, to be honest, that screamer in the in the game we saw last weekend made it all worth it. Oh, John Book. Um, that, that that forward, who, whoever that unnamed player was, he can hit him. Been following his career for a long time. Uh, Jesse, uh, what's what stood out to you, mate? Well, football's obviously coming back, and hopefully some of the hairlines. Um, we've seen a real, <laughs> real recession. Um, not just not just not just globally with the economy, but um, also with some of the hairlines. And I mean, obviously, some footballers have decided to embrace that and just leave the hair as it was, um, as is. Um, but let's be honest, um, there's probably a few of them that need to, uh, you know tidy up a little bit um 
I mean, I only have to go through some of the players in Liverpool squad, and um, Firmino now looks like Pablo Escobar. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a worrying time for us all. Let's just see when they go back to the barber. Did I see a uh, Did I see a photo of uh, Aubameyang with a Jovino-looking hairline? Ooh, incredible. Can you confirm or deny that, boys? That was that was quite early too. I mean, it was yeah, it was a month or so ago. But he just so yeah. a lot a lot of players have been growing hair in the um in this um ISO break. But uh, the the man's been losing it. I hope he's okay. Is he been stressed or what's I, going on? I, I just wanted to throw it to the listeners um, maybe in the coming week um, to you know vote on your best grow out. Who, who's who's actually had the best grow out in this in this campaign? If is, has growing their hair actually been a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, it's it's a fascinating thing to watch. Eden Hazard has a bit of a history of growing out over the off-season as well, so maybe we can throw <laughs> a few of those out there too. Waist size. Um, one, one player who wasn't growing out, though, was um, was Jordan Ibe. He, um, I'm not sure if everyone who? caught uh, pretty early on, uh, still Bournemouth's record signing, I'm, I'm pretty sure. She was. Or I think he might be second after Solanke. Anyway, um, Jordan Ibe, pretty early on in, in, in lockdown, um, uh, pretty much blasted it all over the socials that he'd been breaking rules and got celebrity... Um, hairdressers into her, his place to bad boy eBay. Yeah. Um, I, I, one one thing that I didn't realise is um, that was captured as part of all of this that apparently Jordan Ibe had been um, training with the under twenty one since December. So yeah, it's not all going real well for for him at the moment. <laughs> Shit time and isolation. Oh. Um, boys, one one thing that stood out to me um, and was in the news last week was um, an update on the women's World Cup bid. Uh, looks like uh, our chances of hosting the women's World Cup. Uh, with New Zealand have improved after Brazil withdrew, sadly, um, its candidacy uh, due to financial concerns arising out of the coronavirus. Um, FIFA also rated the bid as the best. No fucking idea what that means. It means nothing, mate. <laughs> um, after Qatar. So who who's it down to now? It's like us and New Zealand, with New Zealand, Japan and Colombia. And there's like one other... I should probably sort of research this uh, for this very point. But yeah. we're down to like basically three bids now. Um, so we'll, we'll know who's going to be hosting the 2023 World Women's World Cup. Um, pretty sure that's going to be in the next like couple of weeks. I think there's an announcement. Look, I, I guess there isn't like a sort of clear political, uh, politically charged option here, which mm. I think does bode reasonably well. I think for for the Australian New Zealand bid. So there's no like Qatar that's yeah or yeah UAE yeah. or Russia or something like that. Sort of we've been FIFA's been through that phase where they where they've lined their pockets uh, for, for a couple of years. So, yeah, like I think each of the three bids, three or four bids. I don't know if it's bids. a face, Tommy. I think they were born that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think the um, Australian-New Zealand bid has got a pretty uh, decent chance. But, look, as with anything with, with FIFA decision-making, it's, it's always wise, I think, not to get too emotionally invested in it. Wise, wise words as we're all still feeling the burn of that 2010 decision and we're all um, still pretty... But too soon. over too Qatar, soon. I'd say. A C- couple of pool games in Wollongong. Tommy, <laughs> what do you reckon? Yeah, or uh, like knockout games as well. Even? I mean, it's, 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 it's massive, um, you know, basically is the headline. Um, if, we, if we do get it, not only for the, you know, the opportunity, attention, financial investment that that brings sort of during and after the, the tournament, but even before, it's a, it's a huge chance for the W League to sort of modernise and expand and, and professionalise. I know Wellington Phoenix have been banging on about getting a team in the in the W League as well. Um, so, yeah, great great for women's football in Australia and New Zealand. Um, Just wanted to say to finish off um, some of the observations of this time, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been watching uh, Tommy's football manager career quite closely and um, I have to say um, 
one of the great moments early on, it was quite early on, Tommy, um, was you engaging with uh, Adam LaFondra on Twitter. Um, <laughs> that was the high watermark of our uh, of our entire existence as a podcast. Ch- challenging to a few games of Football Manager. Do you want to update us on that, mate? <laughs> yeah. I remember there was – we ran we ran two MTAG Cups pretty early on in, in, um, in ISO and – uh, yeah, of course, yours truly won the first one, and then I've been too bitter ever since, uh, getting flogged in the second one to do another one. Not the fond of losing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, um, but on the uh, on the Oz New Zealand collab theme, um, we've got a listener question from Logan Smith um, on Facebook. Wants to know who would make our all Australian slash Kiwi A League All Star team. I'm going to ignore A League because I didn't read that at first. Um, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna say boys that it's gonna be current players. So Ooh. who have you got in goals? It's, it's got to be Matty Ryan in goals, I would say. Yeah, I'd... Marinovic, Matty Ryan. Is Marinovic a Kiwi? I mean, all the all the great goalkeepers in the A League are Kiwis, man. Um, oh yeah, actually, you're not wrong. Like, there's three there's three of them at the moment. Isn't all, all battling it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Matt, I think Matty Ryan, yeah. Yep, and there's, Ryan, and there's yep. been big pressure um, on, on the Facebook page for uh, Kakache to be the left back. Ooh. I mean, I think uh, he's actually quite versatile. I mean, what, what if you whacked him at right back just to make way for your boy Brad Smith, mate? Well, mate, I'd love to I'd love to shoehorn Brad Smith into this team, but I'm not I'm not sure that I could. The public backlash would be too, too I, big. I think the, the clear option there is as is Beige, but I'm still waiting for Gers back to, um, to come back into everyone's hearts. Um, Kakache could still play left wing as well, mate. Um, so that's that's something to con- consider as well. That is, that is. Yeah. We'll keep that in mind. Um, the centre backs. Do New Zealand have any centre backs? I mean, Jesse, you might remember a, a man called Winston Reid, mate. Um, Sporting KC's Winston, Winston Reid. Yeah, I yeah, know him well. <laughs> Tommy, do you know Winston Reid? No, he's dead to me. Um, he's gone. He's 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 uh, he's left um, left London um, uh, in in February uh, for for uh, Sporting KC in the MLS. Uh, obviously, that they haven't restarted yet. He hasn't played a game, but um, you know maybe maybe he's going to be playing some football I'm, at some point. So. I'm shocked that you're not all about Andrew Durant. Durante. <laughs> just 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 <laughs> the guy's an absolute. All right, let's bad, let's, let's let's give it Deganak and Sainsbury and uh, and move on. Yeah, I mean, only other person would be maybe Tommy Smith, but I think Sainsbury might just have the edge. So. Uh, right back, Ryan Grant. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. It's actually, yeah, probably a good call. I mean, I think he's he's, he's better than Storm Reid for sure. So the midfield's where it gets interesting, boys. Um, I think Aaron Moy has, has got to be in there. Um, but then it then it gets pretty open uh, because you've got you know lack of form and, and game time for a lot of the Aussie midfielders. Um, you've got this bloke. Uh, not sure whether you've heard of this bloke, um, Sapri Singh. Singing you could could play in there. <laughs> <laughs> he he could be a shout uh, in midfield or, or in the in the front line. If he's good enough to keep Coutinho out of the team, he's good enough for me. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Mass Luongo in the in the um, in the team either, just because um, you know, just because I'm fond of him, and I, I think he's been hard done by in recent years. I, I don't think uh, Damo would be about that. I think um, Luongo's at Sheffield Wednesday these yeah, days, he is, isn't he? he is. So. We've agreed on the midfield, do you reckon? Yeah, and 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 uh, if we move on to the front line, there's been there's been heavy pressure for uh, Chris Wood Wood to be leading line. I don't know if um I don't know if I can argue with that. I think he's he's, he's got he's, he's got a good touch for a big man. So. Big, good touch for a big man. Um, I mean, he's playing for a Premier League side. I mean, I, I can't see, goals I, as well. I, I can't see any Australian uh, striker in that mould. I think you'd I think you'd have to have uh, Lecky on one flank, and maybe the A League's most beautiful man, Costa Barbarossa, running up the other flank. Ooh. Not a bad shout, you know. 
What about um old uh, all the Vuck uh, listeners that we've got? I think all two of them are triggered right now. Yeah, <laughs> Sydney FC fans are loving it though. Yeah, because so we've we've already dropped in Lafondra, Ryan Grant, what, and uh, what about old Marcus Rojo? You know what about him in his prime? I mean, obviously he's probably not in his prime now, but uh, yeah, isn't he Argentinian, Rojo? Rojas, Rojas. Yeah, no, I um I like to um confuse players. I've already done it. <laughs> <laughs> I've already I've already done it off air with Piercik. So um, oh, is, is that our first? Of the uh, of the pod, Marcus Rojo, king of the red card. <laughs> so I think we've I think we've settled on a on a pretty pretty strong lineup there, uh, boys. Our listeners, if we've missed anyone out, let us know what you think. Um, what what else is anything else stood out to us, boys? There's there's been a, a fair bit of off field stuff going on. Um, you know, the, soccer Twitter's continued in in some weird like political slash Pokemon form <laughs> over the over the uh, over this mini break. Um, and I'll make Lee Brock some facts. Asks in light of the Pokemon crossovers we've been served from the uh, the A League's official account, if you guys were in charge of the A League um, socials, uh, what would you what would you do? I've got to say, like that um that Pokemon like reference that that felt like an in joke that I wasn't involved in, and I'm certain there's somewhere someone somewhere that knows more about that the history of that post than what everyone else on soccer Twitter does. Well. I think that's, you know, not an unfair um, thought there, Tommy, but actually I think you're probably giving them too much credit because there was a lot of people on Twitter scratching their head over this as well and, and sort of wondering, like, is this an official crossover? Is this been licensed by <laughs> Nintendo? Is this going to be like a Star Wars round? Like, what are we? what's going on? I, I don't know whether I've seen all of the posts, but there have been some posts where they've basically done mock-ups mock of the, the Pokemon gym badges mm. as A-League club logos and, and big ups for doing both Kanto and Johto. Shout out to OGs. Um, <laughs> but um, Jesus Christ. The, the, some, of the other, some of the other stuff has actually been not too bad. I was scrolling through after Lee Broxham facts asked us this question. I was scrolling through the A-League official um, socials this afternoon and um, they've, they've, they've done some pretty good ones, like um, all of this sort of you know, best best A-League players in a position, best clutch players and sort of getting some really good discussion mm. going. And I think, I, I think some the, of their posts have been pretty, actually pretty engaging. Their, their socials have been pretty good in the, this little off season we've had. I think like what they, they could have really done and in line of like that Pokemon um, sort of theme is like do a bit of like a series on like which, uh, which players um, tried to play for them all. Um, like got to play from all, got to play from them all. Like oh, um, I think Tommy. there's what like five or six players that have played for like four or five A League clubs, and I just want which one is most likely to. And they could have just used the badge concept the there too. Just yeah, exactly. Them all off. I think that's a yeah. real missed opportunity. And I just want to know if a Charmander in their prime would take out Marvin. <laughs> yeah, the ba- battles like the the mascots stuff. They've really missed a trick here, boys. Yep. They went um, down the wrong wrong avenue, didn't they? <laughs> I also they've, they've asked they've asked the wrong focus groups. Um, they also did um they also did a Rick and Morty post that was unfortunately captioned um when the A League returns we'll be going to the TV dimension. Uh, more on that later. Uh, with the with the um the Fox deal or you know sort of re- renegotiations that are that are happening. Um, but sticking with pop culture boys, um, Gus Crouch on Twitter wants to know which player should have a last dance style doco about him and who is the league's Michael Jordan. This is the this is the A League we're talking about here. I reckon you can open it up to all of football. I think a Ronaldo one, as in a Cristiano Ronaldo, would be pretty interesting because like he's got a, a bit of personality about him. I think it'd be interesting. I mean, Messi on the other hand, I think that'd be boring as fuck. To be perfectly honest, I would. I, I sort of disagree because I think I, I I like the idea of doing a messy 
one because obviously he's the goat um, and he's got, I like that he's got a cleaner public record than Roddy. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. any like rape allegations Ooh, that you're going to no. have to be scrubbing over for the, for the purposes of the docker. Only like two or three allegations of tax fraud, but that's about it. Oh, that's all right. It's just tax, <laughs> just tax, just tax boys. Um, and you know, in, in Barcelona, you've got the, the Scotty Pippen and Rodman uh, Trinity and Suarez and Neymar. So, uh, Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I see that. Know, I see but, that. but if I can't get that, then I want one on Gareth Bale where he um, takes a season off to become a pro golfer and then <laughs> goes back to Spurs the next season. And, and wins a title. And or wins something. a title. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good areas. Like, I like ma- that. Makes a lot of money off the bookies from playing golf and goes back to his old sport. Um, <laughs> one other thing that's uh, stood out to me um, was reading, um, I think it was this morning or yesterday, that uh, Jared Gillett is um, set to be, have a crack at um, the Premier League becoming potentially the first foreigner, first foreign ref um, to coach there in, in some of the, like, I guess there'll be dead rubbers towards the end of the season and, and you know, games without fans and stuff like that. But still, it's a huge opportunity and, and massive, massive for him and massive for Australian refs. Um, and Damo wants to know um, what the Oz football fans are going to say, the ones who trashed him for years, what they're going to say about him once he's made it in the Prem. Gillette, Gillette, the best a man can get. The best a ref can get. <laughs> Uh, all right, boys, um, let's let's uh, take a quick drinks break. And when we come back, uh, Premier League restart preview. Premier League was suspended on the 13th of March. It's finally back next week. Uh, we'll get to what you can expect uh, when the matches restart in a moment. Uh, but first, boys, uh, what's been going on in this break from football? What have people missed? I think depending on where, you, where in the world you watch it from, I think people have different reasons, obviously. And uh, for me, a big part of it is the, the crowds and the um, the community, and I think that's been obviously outside of sport. That's been a really tough thing for everybody when everyone's been isolated. But I think that you just—it's been a really harrowing reminder of how much crowds are important to sport and football, especially. Um, it's an adrenaline rush when you score a goal because of the crowds. Um, so I think the lack of being able to go to games, watch games, watch things with your friends has been probably the hardest thing about the whole um, period. You guys would agree. I remember when we had Ellie uh, on the the pod a couple of months ago. Well, well a couple of months ago now, but uh, when we had him on the pod and he talked uh, so passionately about just two how, pods ago, Tommy, yeah, just two exactly. pods ago. <laughs> but he talked so passionately about um, how fans are football and the importance of them, and and I mean, for me, like I've I've sometimes been able to watch like a, a game that doesn't have a huge crowd at it and still being able to enjoy it. So um, every Melbourne City game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I keep um, I keep finding myself going back to some of the things that he'd said about how like the importance of fans to football and um, yeah, you, 
you, you might find the odd game uh, of football that doesn't have fans at it that might turn out to be entertaining. But if no football has fans at it, then you really do start to notice it um, as, a, as a spectacle, as, 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 ent- as entertainment. And um, I, I keep, yeah, I keep finding myself going back to that. And I, I think it's it's really interesting. Like without fans, like the, the sport is massively diminished. As well, a, and it's not as, just, as th- and it's not just something that we're speculating on now. We'll actually get to um, experience this once the matches do come back because yeah. they, there won't be any fans there at these Premier League games mm-hmm. that, are, that are happening. So we'll, we'll, we'll actually be able to comment on that and, um, and sort of, let, let you, the listener, know what our sort of experience of that is and what our thoughts on that are. And, um, and please let us know as well what, what your thoughts on that are because it's going to be, it's, it's going to be different. Well, like watching, having watched the, the Bundesliga and the K-League since they've resumed and they've done a variety of different things from like fake uh, crowd noise and like um, sort of, excuse me, um, putting people uh, like pictures of, um, of people up in like the crowd to sort of simulate that there's a crowd there. Um, and, and to simulate sort of some atmosphere, whether it's for the people in the stadium or the, the people um, at home. Um, and like that's I, – I think has, there's been some mixed success there. Um, but it's, it's been um, – it, it's been really interesting. And like I guess you, you, can't, you can't replicate um, the influence of having 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80,000 people there screaming uh, in support or – uh, the opposite of, of of the teams that are there, um, but uh, I guess th- they just have to now try to um, to mitigate the lack of those fans there now for both the players and for the fans at home. It's a two way, it's a two way thing, isn't it? It's what the crowds give the sport and what the sport gives the crowds. And I think um, uh, I think for a lot of uh, the reason why I reference different areas of the world, um, different demographics, different um, levels of um, poverty and things like that I think football means a lot to some communities um, even more so than others and I think that there's that release from nine to five uh, your day job during the week and you go to watch the game or even if you watch it on TV watching watching docos like Sunderland till I die again like just reminds you that there there are plenty of people out there and particularly in some of these um, some of these areas outside of London in England, um, where football is is not just something that they sort of watch on the weekend; it's something that they live and breathe during the week, and it, it mm. just is it's just their life and their religion and everything to them. So yeah, it's 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 huge. Ironically, if you do want to hire a horror this weekend, um, feel free to hire um, Sunderland to I die. <laughs> um, and just in terms of the other stuff that's been happening uh, during the break, the more sort of um, you know uh, things pieces moving around. Um, there's, there's been a lot of, um, like, I guess, club by club sort of movements, like player movements, coaching movements, probably not as much as in the A-League, but, like, you've got clubs like Chelsea who have been making big noises in the in the transfer market with uh, Hakim Ziyech coming from Ajax, and they look like they'll have all but snatched up Timo Werner um, with, with that deal um, going through after Liverpool passed him up. Um, and he's been strongly linked with heaps of, like Chelsea have been strongly linked with heaps of other players who are going to make a huge impact when they're loaned out to the Dutch Eredivisie. Um, so what, what else has been going on, boys, in, in terms of the other clubs that you've seen? Is it- you, you mentioned about uh, Werner. Like, I guess um, in some ways the, the, the virus over the last couple of months has sort of peeled back, peeled back um, some of the... Um, some of the curtain on on the world of football that we kind of either take for granted or just don't know about or take um, or 
don't don't ever see. So for you mean example, big clubs having you know pools of money that they can just throw at players at any yeah. time and and and, and so for example at the moment um, the Werner deal's been delayed because they they're trying to figure out how to do the practicalities of doing a medical. Mm. So that um, they don't want to send or Werner doesn't want to come to to London because of like the I don't think he can get a flight in there. Um, and they don't uh, Chelsea don't want to send their club doctors to, to Germany to do the medical because <coughs> then they would have to go into isolation for two weeks upon their return back to the UK. And so like there's only so much you can do over Zoom. Well, yeah, exactly right. Like and, and like they're, they're trying to figure out a way of how to do this and that's that's basically I get the impression why the um, why the deal hasn't been finalized at, at this point. That's why you need to send your, your mate John over or something eh? <laughs> just, just take one for the team and Dr. go into John, fourteen, yeah, fourteen days isolation. Just send him over. He'll bring Timo back. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, like you said about um, uh, whether or not clubs are furloughed um, uh, um, club staff or, or not. Like there are there are real people that, that aren't paid um, schoolings of dollars, like the the kitmen and, and women that um, that help out at these clubs that. Yeah, like they're, they're, they're pretty average sort of working people uh, who were also impacted pretty massively by, by this. And, and that sort of pulled back the curtain on how um, there are a lot of people that go into running a professional football club um, in, in some of these uh, huge professional clubs in, in England and, and in Europe. So, um, yeah, that, that was uh, like whilst it was somewhat sad, it was also pretty fascinating as well. Um, getting that exposure to that that you normally you normally like I said either take for granted or is you just don't don't hear anything about it so Liverpool missed out or, or look like they're going to miss out on Timo Werner but but what else has been happening uh, at Liverpool Jesse in case um, people haven't been keeping up with with Liverpool and and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some of the other clubs as well but like um, you know ins and outs like Klopp's still there you know we all assume um, you know, so what's been going on in terms of player movement? I can confirm that Jurgen Klopp is still the uh, manager at Liverpool. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, it's been, I mean, apart from some of the haircuts I mentioned earlier, um, it's been, I think they've done a really good job of staying fit and sharp. Some players look a little bit rusty, um, from the 11 versus 11 games they've had, um, which is to be un- un- understood, but I guess you see like Mane and, it's watching some of his highlights in, in the recent games. He just looks as sharp as he was going into the break. So some players aren't as affected as others. Don't lose that. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But um, it's good to see, um, you know, we're talking about uh, Werner before. I mean, Minamino is um, probably the biggest, um, it, it's probably the p- biggest thing for him um, because he was brought into the squad for a pretty low fee um, with the idea to back up the front three. So if he... If he has a really good, st- strong finish to the season, then it'll be interesting to see um, what we do in the market. And surely this is great for a player like Minamino, right? Like this has just been an extended amount of time that he gets to bet in with the squad and train under Klopp and things like that. Um, and I guess the, the other thing for the listeners, um, you know, you, you, you might have um, the midfield being reinforced a little bit because I know Hendo was, was injured before um, going into uh, ISO and, and now he's, he's um, recovered from that. And then you've got Marco Grujic coming back from a two-year loan at Hertha Berlin. Um, all reports are that he's um, improved as a player and, you know, wants to fight for a spot. And um, you've got Virgil van Dijk maybe signing the biggest deal mm. pretty much in the Premier League. Um, so it's all going on there. Uh, and then, um, you know, if we, if we shift gears and we move over to another club, Tottenham, Delhi's got a one-match ban for a racist coronavirus uh, joke video. Uh, don't know what else is happening at their club, really. Yeah, it's all pretty quiet, isn't it's, it? It's all very quiet. 
Um, Newcastle are another club that I wanted to talk about, boys, because we've got a listener question um, from Adam Wiseman. Um, wrote to us on Facebook and asked um, thoughts on the Newcastle takeover um, and the time it's taken for the Premier League uh, not to come back with the decision yet. So for any just before you get into it, boys, um, for any listeners who don't know, back in April um, it was reported um, that a Saudi Arabia-backed um, public investment fund, I think is what they're called, agreed to a $300 million um, buyout of the club um, to buy out the Ashleys. Um, and Newcastle fans got cautiously excited and then we've had pretty much radio silence since. Well, uh, this was the big story, I think, of, of the lockdown period um, from, a, from an actual football perspective that wasn't really related to the virus. So, um, yeah, this, w- this would be probably one of the biggest takeovers probably since Man City were bought out in the Premier League. Um, and so, um, yeah... There's been a, a lot said about, uh, I guess, the the politics of this. Um, a lot of Newcastle fans, I think, uh, some are just happy to get rid of Ashley. Uh, some are cautiously optimistic, knowing that just because you've got squillions of dollars um, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to spend it well. So it's not a guarantee for success. And then there are, I guess, there's a final camp, which are, even though it's not Ashley, they still don't want um, a, a regime that's linked with human rights abuses and um, and so forth, um, owning owning their club. Um, some people said they would walk away from the club. Some people have said that if they followed Newcastle, they would walk away from the club. Um, but it's... I haven't done any digging into JD Sports, but I, I assume they've got, you know, they, they make their um, sporting apparel, they source their sporting apparel from countries that um, utilise uh, low cost of labor and maybe child labor and things like that i mean you know it's it's it, yeah it, it sort of smacks a, of a little bit of um i don't know double standards when you when you start talking about stuff like that to do with um you know saudi faces or or foreign faces but when you when you've got an owner like a, a mike ashley um even though they think he's a fuckwit like they, they they're sort of putting him in the not like supporting um, mm. corruption or any any bad practices, like yeah. Anyway, that's that's probably a bit of an aside, but um, uh, yeah, definitely, Tommy. I think the other thing that I've read about this is that um, the, the Saudi group are struggling to pass the Premier League's ownership checks um, because I think the league itself has been pursuing the Saudis for a while for like illegally broadcasting Premier League games and stuff like that. So there's that whole piece as well. I th- I thought I found that wild. Like I didn't know about yeah. that. Like this is like a state basically saying, nah, we're not going to pay B and all the Premier League any money. We're just going to and, – and like Saudi Arabia is not a small country, right? Like it's not like there's 500,000 people that live there. It's, Does the Premier League know how many times I've been on soccer streams before <laughs> I got up to sport? <laughs> Well, Colby, if you ever go to buy a football club in uh, in England, you're Shit. fucked. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to own a football club anytime soon. Um, but I mean, that that it raises an interesting question. And um, Santos L. Halper, who I assume is Shana Shah Space Space Nen, but I'm going to read out whatever name appears on Facebook. Um, he raised an interesting question, and and he sort of said, "I'd rather my club have ethics and morals than have Sergio Aguero." <laughs> what do you what do you think about that? Whooped. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think that one thing about Newcastle that I think has kind of slipped under the radar a little bit as well is that obviously they're a very proud club with a, a, a really good history. But there's this... I'm con- not winning anything for seven years. <laughs> well, no, but this <laughs> is the going, thing. This, this, is, this is part of it, though. They've had some great players, but they've, they've, they've been below that top echelon for a while, but they're still a very well-supported club. And I think that there's a massive moral um, dilemma for a lot of fans where they've actually almost got used to being the underdog and not being part of that top echelon 
but still having ethics. And if so you say sleeping giant, I'm going to fucking lose my shit. <laughs> um, and, you know, sleeping big person. Um, <laughs> my house, my, my Newcastle. But they, they basically, I, I honestly think there's going to be a bit of a moral dilemma for f- fans on the side. I mean, obviously, you know, if you have the choice to change your owner from Mike Ashley to someone else, you're probably going to say yes. But it's just the fact that they've probably been the same fans that have said, well, you know, we might be close to getting relegated, but at least we're not Man City. So it's it, it's I just a, think it's you a can't dilemma. make that distinction in the Premier League. Like if you if you really have that view, like you're, you're pretty much going to be watching like League Two or non-league football or, or, or like park football. You can't even watch a, a lot of the A League if you're looking for clean owners. Like it's 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 really it's you know once you you do any level of sort of digging, you can pretty easily find um, something you're not happy with with um, a lot of this big money ownership that's sloshing around in the world of football. And unfortunately, that's that's the world we live in. Are you telling me that Santa's not real? <laughs> um, all right, boys, let's 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 uh, change gears again. Um, and what what can we expect when matches restart next week? So we'll, we'll tell you, uh, you the listener. Um, so the, the league, how the league's going to work for the remainder of the season, it's, it's going to start on the 17th of June or, or if you're in Australia, the 18th early morning, Oz time. Um, and it, it's, it's basically um, going to be a festival of football for like the first two weeks with, with matches um, back to back. Are we allowed to use the, the term festival of football? Have the FFA like trademarked that? Or? Well, we've used Sleeping Giants. So this is <laughs> <on>. <laughs> we've used uh, Pokemon Round and Star Wars Round. Oh, we're fucked, aren't we? Disney and we're Nintendo are both coming. Well, and the Premier League's after me as well for going on r slash soccer streams. So One of the things for sure, it's coming home. <laughs> it is coming home. Um, Here we go. We're 92 back. fixtures, not over nine rounds or eight or nine rounds, depending on the club, to go. Um, and there's going to be a super strict set of protocols, social distancing, temperature checks, no fans. That's, no handshakes. No handshakes. That's basically how it's going to look. Um, but but what about um, you know what about the themes of the uh, of the Premier League? Um, so before the break, the uh, Liverpool were really wobbling, um, losing four of their last six games, including breaking their undefeated streak, uh, getting knocked out of the Champions League and the FFA and FFA FA Cup. They probably couldn't win the, the FFA the, Cup either. The, the fuck up. The fuck up. <laughs> uh, Jesse, how many games do Liverpool need to win to wrap this up? Yeah, so obviously um, they've obviously got a couple that they need to win to wrap it up mathematically. But I think um, uh, I, I was looking into this before the pot about the the home run for some of these teams. Gee whiz, what a sound that is. Um, and Liverpool, obviously, uh, their next few games, are they, they were always going to be tricky fixtures. Um, obviously, they had some wobbles before the end of the, um, the before the COVID period. But they, they've got Everton, they've got Crystal Palace, who have just seemed to just turn up and beat whoever they feel like in the top six. Um, and they've got Man City uh, in there as well. So it's it's going to be a – if they can get through those three games with maximum points, then, you know, that would be amazing. But I, I can't but really they see could that potentially happening. win it at Everton, couldn't they, if City dropped points in the first round? Again, again, if you said that to me before this period, I would have thought, no, nah, City is definitely going to take out Arsenal. But, I mean, it's just – home ground away advantages are going to count for anything. We looked, we've seen this in the Bundesliga and it being kind of irrelevant. And that actually was part of my thinking when I was looking at the final um, the final home run for some of these teams. Um and we can talk about that shortly if you like, but I, I was I was sort of looking at the top six and who who they had to play in, in the final uh, few weeks. Um, I was also surprised how much football was left. You said festival of football. There's actually a lot more uh, rounds than I, I realised. I think I sort of assumed when we, we wrapped up um, before this period that 
you know, we're probably only a few games left. There's actually a fair few games left. It's actually like going to be like the Big Bash, except with good commentary. And a few people with the grand final. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think um, just to, to, to go back to what I was saying there, Colby, there's some teams in that top six who are going to really, really have a tough run at home. Um, Man City's not one of them, actually. Man City, actually, after they play Arsenal, have a pretty good run. Um, but there are other teams there, including Leicester um, and Sheffield United, who actually have quite a few hard games. I think um, for a lot of these clubs, I think they need to approach it, and I don't know if they will approach it this way, but I think they almost need to treat it like it's the beginning of the season again. And um, because there's no form, right? Like a lot of these teams haven't played for a competitive game for three, what, three and a half months. So like form really goes out the window. Um, so it's more like the beginning of the season. Players have got to re-gel and re-establish relationships with, with one another. And, and like you mentioned about Minamino before, like he doesn't really have that greater relationships at the club that he's been at notionally for six months. So um, I, I think uh, there will be some teams that will think, oh, yeah, I'm going to Liverpool. Like uh, we're, we're in with a, a, a red hot um, – a red hot go here, and so who benefits from from that, Tommy? That's that's another another question that I had. Who mm. who sort of benefited from that break? And and you know we've got a, a break in form there. We've got as you said, and mm. as Jesse said, like home and away advantage goes out the window. Which which teams are sort of going to be looking at this situation we're now in and thinking um, this is really going to suit us? I, I think any of the the clubs that have changed their manager uh, either early in twenty. 2020 or late 2019. So like so your Watfords and yeah, uh, so might, might so suit them. Watford, Spurs, Arsenal, mm. West Ham, I think like will all somewhat benefit from this. And, and I guess they can. it could also be an opportunity squandered as well. There's no guarantee that just because uh, a new manager now has a bit of extra time that they're, they're going to use that time well. It's and it depends as well on, on how the players uh, react. Like um, Watford's Ben, uh, ben Foster, he's been running uh, spin videos on, on Optus, right? So we know he's been keeping fit. But um, like it really does. I never really looked to Ben Foster for his fitness, though. <laughs> that was actually pretty wild. Like, so uh, I'm not sure if any of the listeners has uh, watched Ben Foster's spin class. It was it was on Optus, right? And it was it, it was Ben Foster and a couple of other pros. But they also had like this commentator who wasn't an ex pro, and he he was gassing after like 10 minutes, right? And this was a 30 minute video. It was actually hilarious because <laughs> Ben Foster's talking literally the whole time, right? And then yeah, there's this poor guy who's just. Dying on a spin bike. <laughs> just, just wow. Um, I, I was going to say, Cole, because there's other teams there that I think are going to seriously um, benefit from this. Liverpool was one of them, I think. They actually, they actually are going to benefit from this break. But I also think that Villa and Bournemouth, who were on a, you know, a, a downward slide, which looked like it was never going to stop before the break. This is like, you know, if you're ever going to have a chance to sort of steady the ship, this is it. And um, even I think Man United, I mean, Man United had Pogba out for such a long time that um, they're all sort of frothing at the idea of him and um, Bruno being um, in the same team. Yeah, uh, no, I, I agree. I think Pogba coming back, I think, is a huge boost for them. And it also gives, oh, I guess, um, even though the players, they may not necessarily have been playing together, but um, it gives, like you say, the likes of Bruno Fernandes and, uh, and Pogba the opportunity to, to build up maybe a, a closer personal relationship to enable them to connect more on the field. Like... Um, and oh, I was just going to say as well, Tommy, like on that theme of like, um, you know, you, you say Pogba's coming back in the team and now he's, he's able to play with um, Fernandez. Um, you know, other teams have had um, key players who were injured who are coming back now as well. Like Spurs. Spurs, yeah. Got Harry Kane coming back. That's big. He's going to be back for approx two weeks before he does his ankle again. <laughs> um, 
and and you know Liverpool obviously you got Hendo and uh, and Allison I think might have had another recurrence of that injury and he's he's good to go again now. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of play a lot of teams are going to benefit just from having all of their guys back. I know City had a few key injuries as well, like so hopefully their squad's looking um, you know fit and all, all back to um, at least being injury free. Um, just on the home and away form. Um, you, you mentioned before, Jesse, having gone out the window, one of our uh, listeners, Arnab, on Facebook asked, um, seeing how the Bundesliga teams have struggled uh, at home, um, you know, in, in the Bundesliga since it's come back, do you think um, some of the Premier League teams who traditionally had a very strong record could suffer, e.g. Sheffield United? Well, I mean, you know, you and I both support a team which have, have always had the uh, the crowd as a twelfth man when they played Anfield, and it's it's be interesting to see how they deal with that. I mean, but I mean, again, going away from Liverpool to something like Sheffield United, like yeah, like having a strong home record or having a, a crowd that's actually going to be fizzing um, and up for it. Wolves comes to mind as well. Brighton as well. That's another one that stands out for me. Um, but, but I also think it's, a, it's it really benefits those away teams, doesn't it? So if you are um, if you are a Bournemouth and you're going to an away fixture, which, you know... Crystal Palace? Well, Crystal, Crystal Palace just do whatever they like, basically. Yeah. They, they, they turn up if there's a full crowd or not. I mean, but they I, I guess what I'm saying is that those teams, which you would have been like, well... Bournemouth coming to Anfield, you just think they're going to get spanked from the minute they arrive. But I mean, this would be the time to to produce an upset. Um, the the flip side of that is there are, there are some teams that actually struggle with sort of the weight of expectation at home, and uh, Southampton and, and West Ham are two teams that have, have struggled with playing at home this season and, and other seasons as well on recent memory. And and um, I, I guess they're two teams that might actually benefit from not not having their own fans there at home as well. So it could go both ways, I guess, for some teams. You could argue that West Ham hasn't played at home since they left Upton Park. <laughs> yep, maybe the same for Southampton since like they they moved from the Dell. Champions League spots, boys. Uh, <laughs> so three three other sides. I know we've talked a lot about Liverpool already, and I mean that's that's what our podcast is all about. Um, the three other sides being City, Leicester, and Chelsea occupy the Champions League spots at the moment. However, as things stand, um, City are banned from European club competitions um, for those breaches of UEFA's club licensing and financial fair play regulations. Um, but they've, they've I'd almost forgotten about that. I know, know. <laughs> so had I until I was researching for this pod. Um, we, we almost kind of took it for granted that, oh, yeah, they'll just appeal and get off. But I'm I think still even sort appeal- of taking that for granted because they, they actually had their appeal last week at CAS, yeah. the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Um, and so we should hear what the result of that is by mid-July, apparently. So, um, And I don't know whether there's any further appeal right after that. But ultimately, if they're not successful, then the final Champions League spot is going to go to the fifth-place team. Um, and, and then you've got the added complication in terms of Champions League spots that um, United and Wolves, who are sort of um, nipping at the heels of those Champions League spots, are also in the running to win the Europa League, to win through to a Champions League spot as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really anyone's, um, you know, if, if City don't lock it in in terms of this um, appeals process, um, it, it's it's really wide open in terms of who's going to put, be playing in the Champions League next season, and and, th- and that's very much why. Like when I was looking at those top six teams, I mean, if you're Man City, you've got Arsenal and Chelsea, Liverpool in there, but you've also got a lot of other other fixtures that should be easy to win. But I mean, if you if you take them out of the out of the picture, Leicester, Chelsea, um, uh, you were talking about Man United and Wolves. I mean, I look at um, I look at Leicester's home run, and they've got to play Chelsea, Arsenal, Sheffield United, obviously a big hitter. Uh, Tottenham and Man United. Um, this, 
you know, then you look at Sheffield United, who obviously have had such a great season so far. They've got to play Man United, Arsenal, Tottenham, Wolves, Chelsea and Leicester um, in their home runs. So it's like these tough. these fixture lists um, really can't be underestimated because there's, there's still some very big matches to go. There's no respite as well with, with playing so many games. Like players sometimes talk about this over the Christmas New Year period where it's just game after game after game. There's no rule. There's barely enough time to physically recuperate, but let alone sort of mentally recuperate in between matches and refocus. And I think that's what we're going to see is I think we're going to see some teams really got on uh, get on a good run of form. I think there's going to be some teams that are really going to struggle and and, and there's not to get long out to do it. So yep, like building exactly. a building up a run of like say if you can build up a, a run of five wins out of the remaining nine fixtures, that's massive. So yep. getting off to a good start and getting some like small amount of form is just going to be absolutely critical in these yep. last eight or nine games that we're going to see play out. Um, and just yep. to round off the Champions League, um, the the quarterfinals um, are going to be played in Lisbon and uh, the Europa League in Germany. Having a, a little mini festival of football there. Oh, potentially, Tommy. Potentially. Um, but let's let's talk about relegation, uh, Tommy. To. Uh, how many games do West Ham need to win to stave it off? Do you know? Uh, well, um, you you'd think what is there? Not nine games left or eight games left for for some teams. Yep. Depends. No, sorry, nine. It's sort of eight or eight or nine. Nine I or think, ten. Yeah. Nine or ten. Or nine or ten is it? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, some teams have have only played twenty eight games. So. Um, yeah, looking at the the table, you, you'd say that what if you well, I mean, I, even so Crystal Palace are on thirty nine points, right, and twelve yeah. points off the relegation zone. But Palace have got to play all of the top sides except for City. So Ooh. I would say I would say no one's no one's safe even up to Palace. I kind of have Newcastle as the cutoff point, really. Yeah, I feel I like did, Newcastle are sitting sitting at that point where it's like anyone below Newcastle could. Newcastle have got to play five of the bottom six in their last nine matches. So Ooh. fingers crossed. You never know. And and I guess like the fact that we're debating whether or not Newcastle are safe means that there could be some uh, complacency creep into the club thinking, oh, yeah, we're, we're safe, we're fine. Um, and like we said, if you're not motivated and thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to hit the ground running and we're, we're going to hit this out of the park for the remaining um, nine or ten games, then it, it could be really easy for them to get um, – Caught, uh, caught back up in a relegation scrap. Um, but your in, West Ham... In terms Ham. of, uh, yeah, like I guess... So you've got West Ham, Watford and Bournemouth equal on 27 points each, Brighton on 29. Um, I, I think all of those teams would be looking at uh, four victories and that would give them that would give them safety. That takes them to what, um, 39 points each. Um, and I think if any of those three teams got to, to 39 points, I think they would be feeling... Um, comfortable about about safety. Is it incredible um, to think that if Norwich got a couple of wins, it really throws a uh, canary amongst the pigeons? <laughs> oh. yeah, look, mate, you're not wrong. I think we a lot of well, I, I wrote off Norwich. I think about after six weeks in the Premier. Oh, sorry, not six weeks, probably two months in the Premier League. I think it was after they copped a couple of bloody noses. Remember, I uh, used that terminology. Oh, I remember it well. Um, and so. Uh, Look, the the fact that yeah, if they get probably two wins um, straight off the bat, I think uh, yeah, they they could be right in the hunt to, um, and it could could surprise a lot of people if uh, if they if they turn things around. Well, we can talk about could ofs and should ofs all night, boys. But um, the listeners, including uh, our mate Arnab, wants to know who is going down. Ooh. I just just so the listeners know, we've also we've also published on our um, our blog, which is gathering a lot of dust at the start <laughs> of the season, uh, our predictions for the Premier League ladder. 
Um, so we have it on record. I have it in front of me. Tommy, don't type it in. I want to know oh. now who you say is going down and then I'll read out uh, your, your actual uh, predictions at the start of the season just to keep you accountable. Um, look, based off of the, the, current, um, the current table, I, I think uh, Brighton, uh, Watford and Norwich are going to go down. And what were his actual predictions? Uh, Tommy's actual predictions were Brighton, Villa and Newcastle in the 20th, <laughs> but I think that was a bit of a troll. Yeah, a little. Wow. Okay. So I know for a fact that I think I predicted uh, Villa and Sheffield United to survive. So I think that I'd Southampton in the bottom three, uh, Brighton maybe. And the third team is a bit of a mystery. I'm trying to remember who it was. Probably Bournemouth. Yeah, you've also predicted Norwich to go down. So um, you, might, you might be onto something there, Jesse. Uh, I haven't looked at my who I predicted to go down yet, but I know one of them was Sheffield, so I know I'm wrong there. Um, but just looking at the table, I mean, what, Watford, yeah, could benefit. Bournemouth could benefit from this break. Um, Norwich have had a good result um, in, in this sort of friendlies uh, against Spurs. They, you know, a run could suit anybody. Um, I, I'm worried for Brighton. Um, I'm worried. I think Norwich are down. Um, and I think maybe Villa as well. I think Bournemouth are on their last legs here. I mean, unless they, unless they can, I mean, because they they were actually quite um, injury plagued before the break as well. So, yeah. but but I mean, I honestly like how much more can Eddie get out of that squad? And secondly, are they a good enough squad to stay in the Premier League? I, I don't know if they you could. I don't know if you could say they're a better squad than some of the other teams that are fighting at relegation. I think um, Bournemouth actually had a really good start to the season, and then just. Everything just fell apart. Well, they were one that. of those teams, weren't they? Didn't didn't they like not draw in like thirty something games, and they were like winning four nil or losing four nil? Yeah. So their their first uh, here were their first four results in the Premier League this year. So they drew one all with Sheffield United, beat Villa, uh, beat Everton, and beat Southampton. Um, and then I think I guess the wheels started to fall off a little bit after that. But um, like they. Eddie Howe can can get a tune out of them after he's had a had a good uh, solid break for, with the team and been able to build something. So, um, don't be surprised, I guess, if if Bournemouth have a a good um, good start to the resumption of of festivities. And and boys, what what do we think the the quality is going to be like um, when <laughs> when play comes back? Like, uh, Tommy, you're probably well placed to answer this since you've been like onto every. <laughs> restarted league that's that's basically been in existence. When I think quality, I think Tommy as well. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Uh, to be fair, I, I haven't actually watched any of the Nicaraguan uh, league, so... Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've seen the highlights, though, yeah. obviously. Call yourself a football fan. The mini-match, uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, look, it's it's been... Uh, from the Bundesliga in particular, it's probably the league that I followed closest uh, since its resumption. And the the big takeaway from that has been, apart from Bayern and Dortmund, everyone has been really inconsistent. Um, even I think Leverkusen and Gladbach are in, and Leipzig are in third, fourth, and fifth. Have all been really inconsistent, lost multiple games. So, um, oh, I I guess um, because like these Premier League teams have been inconsistent already. Speaking of inconsistencies, mm. like I, I mentioned before, um, yeah, Spurs, Leicester in the Spurs new year. lost their well. It, before ISO, but you know, even when they're playing friendlies in an attempt yeah. to get themselves match sharp, like Spurs um, lost a friendly to Norwich, United lost a friendly to West Brom, and Arsenal lost a friendly to Brentford, um, to name a few. Uh, like so, West Ham beat uh, Queens Park Rangers. Though. Exactly. So what could we? What could we even <laughs> expect? Well, the results might be 
all over the show, but I think as far as the standard of football, I think we'll be pleasantly surprised because I think that we've watched some absolutely diabolical football in the last couple of months. Um, I mean, you know, say what you want about the K-League, but uh, the amount of times those teams lose possession and occasionally pull off an absolute worldie, um, it just is so inconsistent. Whereas when we watched Dortmund Schalke in that uh, first round of the Bundesliga, just the crisp passing, the, the speed that the teams counter-attack, um, it's a completely different level. And then uh, then again, we all count the EPL to be another level above that. So I, I honestly think that, you know, there's going to be some rusty moments, but, I mean, they're all such good um, very, very good players. So I expect it to be um, pretty high quality. The other thing to note there as well um, is that I think we can expect that um, it, the frequency of injuries um, is going to be increased because I think the Bundesliga have seen three times the amount of soft tissue injuries since the league's come back because obviously, um, you know, clubs haven't been really been able to train apart from a couple of weeks before leagues have been starting up and that's including the Premier League as well so I think we are going to see um, a lot of injuries in this in this last sort of flurry of matches particularly because they're being played in such close um, succession as well in an attempt to get them all done so yeah like I mean Harry Kane's ankle I joked that it was going to last two weeks but you, you know it could be one. And I guess um, it's it's a nice uh, opportunity, Colby, to to shoehorn here about the the rule change from three to five substitutions, Oof. and I think that's a, a really um, that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out, both from a, a an injury perspective. How how does that change tactics? So how's that just for the listeners, Tommy? How's that going to work? The 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 substitution rule change in case um the listeners haven't been sort of following this, and by the listeners I mean me. <laughs> so. Uh, Pretty much, it just means that uh, substitution the, the maximum number of substitutions you can make has changed from three to five. Uh, FIFA's uh, rolled out this rule uh, and, and approved it. I, I don't know if it's worldwide or, or not, but um, um, is it short term? Do you know? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Mm. So just just for just for the remainder of the yep. seasons. Yeah. Um, and the I think the only catch is that you you can't. Uh, you can't make uh, sing five single substitutions. You have to make at least two double subs. It's like on FIFA when you're at the end of the game and you're like, shit, I haven't made any subs yet. And you just make the three because you have them. <laughs> and, well, look, to be or honest. you never see that in real life. You never see a triple sub in the 80th minute uh, like in real life. <laughs> so, like, we mentioned about, like, well, sorry, we haven't mentioned about how there are some teams that are probably safe and they're not going to play European football. They're not going to get relegated. And this is an opportunity for, for them to spread some of the minutes around, maybe and give some opportunities to some young players who maybe normally would be, oh, you, well, I was thinking about you for the third sub, but you didn't quite make it. So, I, so um, Arsenal. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, I think it can only be a good thing for, for some of the younger players. And also some of the, the squads well, are a little bit deeper. Plenty of opportunities when Bayern and Tierney go down in, in that first match. So... <laughs> Just but injury gags. It's what I'm all about tonight. Plenty of opportunities out there anyway. <laughs> the other thing uh, that I guess we can expect, uh, and this has sort of come out in the last 24 hours, is that uh, uh, we're going to be seeing um, some Premier League teams are going to be showing, uh, instead of players' names, they're going to have Black Lives Matter in place of the um, in, in place of the players' names. Um, obviously the... That's uh, massive, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like, because usually with these kind of things, you just see a like a banner before the game when no one's even watching and the, the pub telecast hasn't even started yet. Like, oh, we stand against racism and then everyone forgets about it. Yeah, exactly. But to actually have the, the badge on the back of their jersey is going to be... It's it's a it's a material huge. commitment to it, I guess. And uh, we saw in the uh, in the Bundesliga, Western McKenney, um, Marcus Turam, and and a few other players um, did either physical or Sancho. Uh, yeah, Sancho was another one. You're right. Um, uh, as part of goal celebrations, made their sort of 
um, feelings known about how they supported um, the, the Black Lives Matter movement um, and uh, continued, I guess, uh, previous anti-racist um, um, standpoints. And I guess the, the fact that the clubs are, are also getting on board, I've seen um, been some other commitments and other displays of support for, for this um, during training and such. I think Liverpool have, have done some, uh, some stuff mm. uh, with this. Yes, um, it, it, it's good. It's it's a step in the right direction, but uh, I guess when we see, I guess, broader societal change, that's when we really know that it's made much We want it to lead to real change. But the fact that, um, like, obviously FIFA are, are very, uh, very strict normally about um, players not making political statements, like, and, and ripping off their shirt to... Uh, to display political slogans on on jersey um, undershirts and stuff like that. Um, normally, that sort of thing is not not permitted. Right? Well, I think the key but thing is they they uh, FIFA and and clubs and large organisations. I mean, if you if you take it more broad than that, but you know, clubs um, you know don't want to do any anything that's political that's um, going to be detrimental to their bottom line. Yep, but that's the main thing. That's like. true, but it's 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 um it's it's your collective in numbers, and I think that what Dortmund showed when Sancho did his one, and they said, "No, actually, we think this is a, a really good message, and we're not going to do anything." It really reminds you that FIFA is nothing without the clubs and the and the, and the countries um, committing. So if all the if all those clubs decide we're going to get behind the the Black Lives Matter movement, then FIFA's kind of powerless to do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly right, and that's that's really what I mean. But like FIFA and the clubs, mm. at the end of the day aren't going to allow anything that they think would be detrimental to their bottom line. That's true. Like how many of them do you see speaking out against China? Um, like, for example, Arsenal, when um, Ozil spoke out against the uh, Uyghur Muslims, like being basically like, you know, suffering all this, all this sort of racist detention and, and re-education and stuff like that in China. Ozil spoke out against it and the club basically hung him out to dry. Um you know, because it's not going to be profitable for them, and there's and you're seeing the same thing in the NBA and stuff like that as well. Like, mm. um, even the NFL has come out and said, "Oh yeah, we probably should have backed Kaepernick as well." Uh, exactly. When he took a knee, it's like, yeah. "Oh wow, well, yeah, good, good work." Just four good years that you too realize late. it now, but yeah, <laughs> and it's sort of like they've seen the way the wind's blowing, and 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 they've all got on board. Like, it's great, and it's a great cause, and the ends will justify the the means, and 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 it is it is good. But you've just got to remember that at the end of the day, these large organisations they're not the agents of change; it's the people like who are out there protesting on the streets they're mm. the ones that are the agents of change these big organizations are just reflections of the change that has happened yeah well said um that's that's a political corner in, in more than a game um but um in terms of the the rest of the season we, we were talking before about like you know what it's going to look like um sort of you know playing out but but for the season after, boys, what do, what do you think is going to happen? Like, I mean, we're going to be going, you know, up pretty close to the next season. Um, there's going to be a, either a really compressed off season or a late start to next year. Um, what are going to be the lasting impacts of, of this um, COVID break, really? Well, uh, I guess you're right. Like, this is not just next season, but there's also – sorry, excuse me. There's also a Euros that they're meant to be smashing into the following off season as well that they weren't weren't planning and to, to do. Yep, and so and like, Copper America. Yeah. So there's a, there's a every Cup of Nations. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a there's a Asia lot. Cup. <laughs> can't can't confirm that. I don't know. Just go on, Tommy. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so there's there's lots of football to be play, uh, to be played. Uh, I guess not just this season, but uh, for the next off season. So we're going to see 
this continued to have ramifications for at least another 12 months. And, and, and that's assuming that there isn't a further reintroduction of, of restrictions or anything like that. And because we, we don't know, we're not quite into sort of second wave territory yet potentially. So uh, I guess, um, uh, yeah, I guess the next season, I think the, at least the first half of the season is likely to be compacted. Um, I think there has to be questions raised, I guess, specifically in England for the, for the top flight about, uh, for example, whether or not um, the League Cup, for example, Carabao Cup, whatever they want to call it, um, about whether or not that should run, for example, next season. Mm. Um, because ultimately something's got to give. You can't just keep playing more and more football in less and less time. Um, and obviously when the Premier League, isn't, Premier League is just focusing on the moment, uh, at the moment, sorry, on the, the current season and finishing that off. As you mentioned um, about playing the Champions League quarters in, in Lisbon, there hasn't been a hell of a lot said really about the Champions League or the uh, That's all I know. Europa League um, being uh, rolled back out. But there's heap like uh, there's I, I don't know what's happening with the FA Cup or uh, Carabao Cup's already been played this season. But F- football's just taken three months annual leave and now it's going to have to pay back for the next um yeah, that was like, it's gone into leave deficit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to have to make it back. You're absolutely right, uh, Tommy. I think um, something's got to give, right? Yeah, I think uh, I'm also fascinated about the transfer window and 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 players' contracts. I mean, that's just going to mean. I mean, clubs just seem to be doing what they want at the moment. They're into like, the wild west, yeah. right? I mean, Andy George, if you're listening, I mean, maybe it's time to move over into player contracts. I mean, it's going to be a busy market um, in the next few months, and they're going to need some lawyers. Well, uh, so like, there's some players whose whose contracts have. Um, uh, will expire on the 30th of June. I think some of them might actually walk away from their clubs because, mm. I mean, if they, they weren't a key key part of uh, of their team or um, their their team isn't, like, likely to make Europe or, or, or get relegated, they're kind of, well, what's the point in playing? Like, yeah, it puts them in the shop window, but also means that um, French, um, Belgian, other, other leagues, mm. like, they're going to be – Excuse me. They're going to be starting like at their normal start time potentially in well, a couple France of months. France unaffected, right? yeah, exactly. Well, so, but, but yeah, but France has got a bit of a um, a bit of a storm brewing there with those those players that have had their seasons end. Um, Did you say they've got a storm brewing? <laughs> I, I think I think part of me felt that you know, but I, I didn't know that I was saying it. Um, that's good from you. Um, but but the, the, they're going to have a nightmare on their hands. So is the Belgian league as well. Like players. Well, what's happening there? I, don't, I don't, actually don't know about this. Well, you know, PSG obviously got yeah. handed the title. Yeah. Um, and they kind of made that call before a lot of other leagues made the call. And then the Bundesliga said, we're going to come back. And obviously yeah. the other teams. So it's like they are, they are going to become the exception to the rule. And then it's like, what happens to those players' contracts? Yeah. What, what about the teams that we're expecting to see out one more season? Do they sign a new one for next year's? Um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to deal with that. But it's, it's going to mean that the transfer window, when is the transfer window? We're so used to saying the transfer yeah. window is that first few weeks. Um, and then you've got transfer fees as well. And, and just to remind everybody, the, the world record transfer fee was, um, you know, in France, um, PSG paid for Neymar £198 million. Do we think that's going to be broken anytime soon? And in light of this post-COVID environment, where economies are tanking and and um, people are losing their jobs and all this kind of stuff, and I think I saw today or yesterday that um, the the um, UK uh, economy shrank by twenty percent or some like fell off a like bloody cliff. Like, uh, yeah, that's, do you see that being broken anytime soon? That's that's a hard no for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, Newcastle fans might actually be, um, you know. Quite keen to have some offshore investments. 
The A-League is due to come back soon, boys. Uh, but the plan is nowhere near as certain as we're seeing in the Premier League. Um, what we know so far, um, it's been about two weeks since the FFA announced it was ready to resume the A-League season pending locking in this deal uh, with Fox. More on that soon. Um, and since agreeing a compromised pay deal with the players, uh, but basically we've got no fucking idea what's been happened, uh, what's happening and when something's being locked in. Um, this is real A-League areas, isn't it? Is, it, is, there, this, is there a direct quote from Tommy Orr who was basically like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, the, uh, like, and he's one, he's been sort of quoted in, in um, an, an article in the City Morning Herald just saying how frustrated he is, but like it must be hugely frustrating for, for players at least. I mean, it's frustrating for fans, you know, but what must these guys be going through? Well, I think it's probably time to reach out with uh, Adam LaFondra again and see if he's available for a game of football manager. Check in and well, I mean, sure he's well, they're not on. training. He's, so. he's obviously, you know, he's got no clarity from um, from his boss, so maybe you could jump in there and get a quick game in. That, that is actually a good point, you know. I, I will hit him up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Tommy's taking a note. No, but that must be a uh, nightmare, Colby. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, and also the fact that um, a mate of mine, because a lot of my friends are rugby league fans or rugby fans, and there's obviously disputes between those two codes about the fact that NRL got in first and that a lot of them feel that rugby should have done it as quickly as NRL. So you've got these other codes, and the AFL just started this week, and you've got other codes getting on with it. Um, it doesn't look great for the A-League if they don't actually at least say this is our tentative date. Let's not forget, though, that the the financial there was a financial imperative that drove the AFL and NRL towards restarting Good as point. quickly as they could. The was there at the start of their season. Exactly. Yeah. There, there was a real chance that they were going to have to write off a whole year, a whole season, mm. um, potentially because of this. And, and NRL were explicitly aggressive about mm. uh, starting their competition, not restarting because I don't think uh, – did NRL, I think they played uh, one they played round. One, they, well, that's it. They played a round. The famous one that ScoMo went oh, to on the weekend right. that yeah. like he delayed lockdown so he could go to – Can't see the Sharkies. <laughs> yeah. uh, geez, I've forgotten about that. It feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? And the Hillsong um, Conference. But, the Hillsong yeah. Conference. Let's, yep, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's, let's not forget that they, they had different um, reasons for needing to restart as soon as possible. Good point. Um, the A-League doesn't have that same imperative. And I think because of that uh, and because they have such a long off-season as well, they kind of have more scope to just be able to start whenever they want. And you know but, what? I, but I have so much wiggle room. But, but, it, but I, it comes I, across as so complacent, yeah, right? But I, like, and, and, I, and that's the thing. I agree with you. They are in no position like the other clubs, uh, sorry, the other codes to, to rush into this. But, but it meant that they could sort of claim the moral high ground, but, but, I thought, a little bit. But what they've missed out on here, I guess you could argue, is that... First mover advantage? That's right. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, my mates... My, I was, you know, we were at football training on Thursday, Colby, and people there were talking about the NRL. I mean, half of them, like, a um, couple of them I was speaking to are like, oh, we don't usually watch it, but, I mean, it's sport on a Thursday night. I'm going to watch it, and it's just Do like... Do they know about the Belarusian League? Well, I mean, obviously. Um, but but there's just, there was that opportunity to try and... Um, because what's crucial for some of these clubs like Sydney and Brisbane and that is that if you're from those areas, you get a bit patriotic about your team. And if you weren't necessarily patriotic before COVID, hopefully if the A-League was resuming quite quickly, you could get those people that were kind of like, I just want to see some sport. I want to see somebody who's representing Queensland or Sydney. So it's just, is there an argument there, boys, that the A-League's kind of not really in a position as far as their viewership to sort of snooze on this? 
like they missed an opportunity kind of thing. Well, I, that's, I mean, I don't know. That's just my opinion. But what do you guys reckon? Well, one opportunity that I think they will get is the, um, you know, I was talking about this concept of clear air and they've sort of missed that at least. The, you know, the, the flip side of that is that, you know, we'll get a little window into what going back to winter competition could look like because we'll have, um, you know, the rest of the season, assuming the um, A-League restart does go ahead as it's sort of tentatively planned, we'll get to see what this looks like when, when they're competing with NRL and the AFL for, for viewers and, and, you know, if, if, if fans get to come back in any capacity for fans as well. So mm. I actually, I'll be watching that with, with some interest as well. But as, as, we, as we sit here now, um, you know, it, it, the, the plan was apparently to restart in mid-June um, and and um, Vince Regari, who wrote that piece in the City Morning Herald, which is the sort of latest that's that's out there on it, um, you know, he, he gave an update on Twitter saying, you know, the, the latest he's heard is that's still on track. But, like, you know, he, he also pointed out the, the sort of logistical stuff, um, which is that, like, players and managers who have all returned overseas um, have got to come back and they'll need to be quarantined for 14 days when they return, but they'll need notice that it's going to be getting locked in. So, like... You can't just make a snap decision, well, right? What the fuck's going on? Just do a Twoven and be like, fuck this, I'm staying in Sweden. Well, I mean, he's gone back to Sweden, <laughs> Sweden oh. now as well, which which sort of takes us to, like, you know, what else has been going on? Like that, uh, like you said, Toivonen's and has gone. Um, Victory have got a new coach because um, Salvatore uh, has, has gone to be closer to his family as well. And it's um, Grant um, Brebner, who's who's a former Victory player who won two championships with them, who I'd never heard of. Um, <laughs> others who have been um, following the, the A-League more closely for, for longer will have heard of him. Um, but it's worth noting that he it was... He was Carvalari before Carvalari. Yeah, guess. exactly. Um, that's way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, like the, the captain sensible, basically, yeah, of exactly. the team. Like yeah. he's been the all Lee Broxham, Carl Valeri, like cl- clips of him in his prime has been all over the Vuck um, yeah. social media page. Yeah. <laughs> I've been tempted to call them the Melbourne Videos Football Club because it, <laughs> Jesus, the vines have just been unstoppable recently. But like one thing that stood out to me with with victory, like you've got you've Toivonen's left, who was their marquee captain, twenty five goals in forty appearances. You've got this interim coach that's been brought in. It looks like they're basically blooding managers and players for the rest of the season. Um, They've also got Marco Rojo from Man United as well, <laughs> which is a huge boost to their squad. Massive. You can play him left back, left wing, <laughs> wherever. Um, but, I mean, that's a very unvictory like thing, isn't it? To yeah. sort of give up on the season and, and basically just say, oh, we're, we're blooding players now. We're blooding coaches now. I guess that's that's one of the arguments for promotion relegation, isn't it? But, like, I, I'm, I'm more about that than, I guess, someone um, – than, than some clubs, their season just sort of petering out and, and playing games of their their best eleven and, and not getting anything out of it, and then they release half their half their squad and some of those players. Are you talking about the Mariners? Well, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I think if they're going to experiment, try some some different things with different managers, different different players, mm-hmm. I don't have any problems with that. Like they're, they're setting themselves up for the following season. I guess one thing about the victory is is you know always know that they're going to be competitive. So and they can't uh, get Muskie back. Because he signed a contract in the Belgian Pro League uh, with a club called Stint Truden. Did you know that, boys? No, no, uh, no, I did not know that, yeah. that was the name of the club. I, I think I'd heard. Truden? Stint Truden? I'd heard that. Um, Belgian uh, listeners uh, get in our DMs and, and let us know how to pronounce this. <laughs> um, but I mean, this is actually pretty pretty big news. Um, and I'm surprised uh, there wasn't more on this because. Um, he's he's the Knowing only. The A-League, I'm really not su- not surprised. Th- this makes <laughs> him the only Australian coach of a European men's team 
Like that's that's it's actually pretty big news and it's pretty yeah. pretty good for him. So victory won't be getting him back. But um, I also did hear someone say on Twitter that instead of this um, Grant Brebner bloke, they should have appointed King Kenny Atu um, with um, with uh, Toivon and gone as well as player manager since everyone looks up to Kenny already. <laughs> Understandable. Uh, any, any anything else stand out to you boys um, before we get on to the the big talking point of the Fox TV deal? Any any other movements? Like I know Robbie Fowler's um, he's back overseas as well, and I assume his assistants um, back over in the UK as well. Uh, he'll need a bit of notice to return. Don't know if he, he's going to come back. Uh, I've seen Robbie Fowler's been doing some Premier League related. He's stuff been and... he's been right in the Premier League stuff, trying to like you know trying to get his fingers in those pies over there and. Yeah, saying how how he's been coaching, he's he's really been beating that drum. So yeah. don't be surprised, I guess, if if someone uh, taps him on the I'm shoulder. Available, and, guys. Well, not yeah. to mention he's going to have a huge amount of tenancy agreements that he's going to have to be. <laughs> think, think about the logistics of it. He's got people renting. I mean, you know, both in Australia and the UK. I mean, I don't know how he has time to bully anyone on Twitter anymore. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys, uh, the, the the Fox TV deal, this is the other big talking point um, at the moment um, in, in this sort of uh, COVID off-season we've been having. Basically, they've got the A-League over a barrel um, and are apparently refusing to see out the remainder of the season unless the league's group accepts this new deal that they've put on the table. And that that's basically an $11 million a year deal, which is basically something like a 40-something million dollar pay cut from the previous deal because we've still got a deal in place, a broadcast mm. deal in place until 2023. Uh, and I don't know the fine details, but essentially um, because there's been no um, broadcasts, you know, there, there, there'd been no football been played, um, Fox have sort of been like, okay, well, let's come back to the table now um, and, and renegotiate what this is going to look like going forward. And, and they're basically, yeah, just got the league over a barrel. Um, Lucy Zelich wrote an opinion piece on the the world game on SBS saying that this taking this $11 million deal could basically catapult football back into the dark ages. And she um, called it insulting and compared it to the $2 billion NRL deal um, and the new rugby Australia deal in the works. But do you really think that's signed one? Yeah. uh, Today? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I I think only been, in. I think it was late uh, mid this week or early this week. But do you think that's like, if, 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 if um, the leagues group took this $11 million broadcast deal, it would be catastrophic. What do you, what do you think about that? Rugby signed a new deal three days ago. Thanks to that rugby correspondent, Tommy. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Back to you at uh, football chat. Back to you in the studio. Um, I, I, you know, I wish I could give you a straight answer, Coles, but I, I, I'm a little bit conflicted on this too because. Because I think it's easy to get, I think it's easy to get emotionally like caught up in the the value chat. Like you're 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 cutting off, um, you know what 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 our what our product is worth and all of this kind of stuff. But I mean, part of this is is the way sort of things are going in like mainstream broadcasting and it, it has to do with the way like Fox are going and all that kind of stuff as well. But like the, 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 the pivot to streaming and, and you know, if we were to just see out this deal, this $11 million deal, see out the contract and then heavily pivot to streaming and focus on, um, you know, promoting the match day experience and, and working on the other stuff instead, like, I, yeah, I, I don't this, know. This, this is part of the problem with the A League, right? Like, if, if everything if people gets catastrophized, making, yeah. Well, the, the like these things that you're talking about, Colby, these are the things that people should have been considering for the last few years. And I guess um, very yeah, reactive. The, the, the fact that yeah, exactly. The fact that we were locked into this Fox deal 
um, th- who's to say that even even without COVID nineteen that they wouldn't have tried to renegotiate the the deal anyway? I think um, ne- there's a political expression: never um, uh, never miss an opportunity to to use a, ca- a, a, a catastrophe to your advantage. That's not the expression, but that's the the, the crux of it. And uh, yeah, like Fox are obviously looking at saving themselves the 30 million bucks out of this. So it's, it's, it's obviously a huge opportunity for Fox. Um, and, but it's, it might be a similar expression, but codify by catastrophe. Um, Tommy, it's, you basically change the rules once a catastrophe has occurred. And I, 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 my issue with this is that, um, and it doesn't just, it's not just for football, it's for other sports as well. I, there's been a massive swing, obviously, obviously in the last 10 years for a dependency on broadcast agreements. The kickoff times, a lot of things which sometimes are not for the benefit of fans, they're just for the, for the broadcast deals. And what this period has shown, in my opinion, is that the, 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 the game is nothing without um, viewers and fans. And it's probably been a very humbling thing for especially like the NRL with their low finances and stuff has been like, hey, if you guys don't actually look after the fans, your, your product is screwed. And I think with the um, with this broadcast deal, Colby, you, you might be right. I mean, it might be that this might be a short term solution until we move to a sort of a streaming model. But it just the, the, the slightly sour taste that you get in your mouth for me personally is because I hate how much these sports that we love rely on broadcast deals so heavily. You know, it just really feels like we're at this sort of in-between point, we're not quite back, you know, we're not quite at the the, the traditional point where um, major sports had um, major free-to-air deals and were available to everyone um, on ad-supported free-to-air um, mainstream channels. Uh, and we're not quite at the full streaming, like accessible to everyone who's willing to pay a, a small price for a subscription model. So we're sort of caught in this like limbo, um, at least for the next mm. couple of years, unless something blows up in this deal um, it, it is terminated. It cements the, that perception from probably three to four years ago where people were saying, oh, the league is, sta- is stagnating. And now we're at the point where we've been stagnating for, for four years and, where the A League now, I guess, is paying the price of that. And but, but fans have had a taste. It's awkward because the A League now is taking over from the FFA, who were, were holding the reins for, for the last three. That's years. what I mean. So much of so much of this, like, is just at a crossroads. Like the league is in the in the yeah. process of gaining independence. Like we're right in the middle of this sort of broadcast pivot. Um, you know that that's occurring in in sports everywhere and. Um, everything's sort of just in limbo at the moment while, you know, th- this pivot isn't instantaneous. It's, it's taking some time for all of the sort of machinery of um, the, how this league is going to work and how it's set up to sort of catch up with it. But you know what? We've all had a taste, I guess, with Optus as to what a, an effective... Um, you know, obviously Optus screwed up halfway through the World Cup and then had to upgrade everything real quick. But when they... Since then, I think we can all agree that the mini matches, all the little aspects, oh, it's, it's just fantastic brilliant. service. You get used to that service, and then you're sort of like, well, then you know, then you're trying to watch the A League on a different platform that, to be honest, is not performing to the same level as what you know, um, White Shoes hosts um, Optus is doing. So um, I think I think th- we're getting a taste on one platform of what football could look like in the future, but then at the same time, we have to settle for a different one on a different platform, and I think that's what's. A little bit conflicting for me. Let's not forget that, like at the very beginning of, of lockdown and stuff, that that Fox went out of their way and they sacked a whole bunch of football writers. Oh, they sacked like fucking that. everyone. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and so 
Except for like Robbie Slater and Adam Peacock. Yeah, Bozza. Yeah. So, Bozza. Um, and I look, a lot of those people have landed on their feet and, and are doing well. Some of them obviously are still kind of in between jobs, I guess, and, and they're struggling with, I guess, the, 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 um, the challenges in working in the media at the moment. But by the same token, like they're, um, Optus have also done a lot of work in terms of like promoting them, uh, promoting Australian football and some of the stories in Australian football. Obviously, they've done that Football Belong series, um, and they've also done a couple of those um, uh, sort of video casts of uh, where they had like the the, the golden generation. In that well, I was going to say, I mean, this chat we're having right now, I mean, you know, to avoid copyright infringements, maybe we have to call it the position of football. <laughs> Um, because we've covered a few things, haven't we? Mate, we've been through it all. Um, I'd say we went into more detail in this um, 15 minutes than uh, maybe, you know, every episode of State of Football so far. I mean, whack a pair of white sneakers on us and, um, uh, you know, call put us on a couch. Um, but, I mean, and let's not forget about Ben Foster's workout videos as well, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't forgotten about them. <laughs> uh, okay, well, um, that's, that's probably going to do it uh, for our podcast today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, don't forget to uh, subscribe to us if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also leave us a voicemail uh, on Anchor or uh, via email at uh, more than a game, mtagpodcast at gmail.com. That's mtagpodcast at gmail.com. As I mentioned at the top of the show, you can also get around our Twitter and Facebook uh, on more than a game podcast on Facebook or mtag podcast on Twitter. Um, going forward, the, the mtag uh, restart, it's happening, boys. Um, we'll, we'll probably be coming back to you uh, listeners I, I guess weekly from now on, we, we don't quite know what we're going to do. There's a, there's a festival of football coming up. I don't know whether, you know, we mentioned that as well. Uh, so at least we'll have some Premier League games to review. The A-League could be coming back soon. As we said, we've got no real idea when that's happening, but, but we'll be back uh, to cover it. Don't know whether it's going to be uh, sort of weekly. We're going to try and, um, you know, figure that out, but um, we'll, we'll be back with you quite regularly. One thing's for sure, this podcast is a sleeping giant. <laughs> In the meantime, enjoy the football.